Would you grab your Bibles and open to Isaiah chapter 55? Isaiah chapter 55. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew back in front of you, a hard uh, hardcover black one. You're welcome to use that. If you don't own a Bible, I would love for you to take that one home with you. You can consider that a Christmas gift. You can uh, take that home, and uh, we would love for you to be able to read the scriptures, and uh, that would be a great starting point to be able to have that to utilize, and so we'd be glad for you to take that with you. If you just didn't bring yours with you, I'd love for you to follow along so you could see uh, all that we're going to be saying uh, in the scriptures today. So, um, as you turn there, uh, hopefully you guys had a wonderful Christmas celebration yesterday. Uh, we had a, a great time together as a family and hope you're getting ready to mark the new year, that turn from 2021 to 2022. Um, I, for a lot of us, uh, 2021 was actually more challenging than 2020. I know for me, this was a difficult year. I know for some of you, it's been a really difficult year for all kinds of reasons. And that that marking of time is something that's really significant to us. Now, it's important to acknowledge um, it's actually no different, right? Like there's no real change. Friday going to Saturday is a, a normal thing that happens every week. Um, the only difference this week is you're going to eat a lot of greasy food and you're going to watch Michigan beat Georgia and then you're going to stay up late. And so it'll be a little different, but um, some of you were not as excited about Michigan beating Georgia as you should have been. There we go. That's right. That's right. At least somebody's got spirit around here. That's right. Um, so, but that's really a construct, right? Like um, the Gregorian calendar is what we follow. Uh, that was an update to the Julian calendar, which was an update to the Egyptian solar calendar, which was a rabbit hole that I went into this week that I will not bring any of you along for, but you're welcome to go research it on your own if you want. You're welcome for not bringing you along. That's right. Um, but it's just a change. It doesn't really mean anything, except kind of it does. Because God, throughout the Old Testament particularly, commanded his people to mark time. He, he asked them to build memorials, for instance, so they remembered certain things that happened. He commanded festivals and remembrances as part of the, the annual rhythm of his people so that they would, uh, they, they would recognize the passing of time and the, the thing that God was doing among them year to year and season to season. And so in the same way, um, we do that. We need to, we're wired to celebrate and mourn, to, to look back and to remember some of the good things and some of the challenging things and to, to process those, to leave them back there where they belong. And to hope and to dream, to look forward and trust all that God is going to do in the future. Those are ways that God has wired us. And so in the time that we have today, that's what I want to do. I want to look back and reflect, and look forward and dream. And in order to do that, I want to use Isaiah 55 as a framework. The prophet Isaiah wrote several hundred years before Jesus. Uh, much of his writing was predicting Jesus' coming and all that he would do. But he spoke to a people who were uh, in the midst of exile. They were uh, in the midst of uh, brokenness. And uh, as he spoke to them, he was reassuring them of the work of God in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty. And for us, it's good for us to come back, whether you've come out of a season of suffering, whether you're in the midst of that right now, or um, if you have so far avoided it, the bad news is it's coming. For all of us, it's coming. And, and as we walk through those seasons, it's so important for us to go back to the scriptures to understand that there's an eternal God who has an eternal plan that he's working out in us and through us. 
And that's really the heart of Isaiah 55. So I'm going to ask you to listen. Bill's going to come and read for us the chapter of Isaiah 55. Listen to the beauty of the prophet and the way that he declares the working of God. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know. And a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteousness man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. What a beautiful declaration of what's true. Uh, Isaiah's chapter divides pretty neatly into three parts, so we're going to look at it that way. He begins by laying out the longings that all of us have, uh, the longing that we pursue after, and only now and then see filled, the longings of man. That is in verses 1 to 5, starting in verse 6. He transitions to the ways of God, 
the way that God operates, 6 through 9, and then uh, from verse 10 to the end of the chapter, he talks about the power of the word. So we're going to look at those three areas, the longings of man, the ways of God, and the power of the word. So it starts out in a kind of haunting way. Um, It it starts out first with a a beautiful invitation. Verse 1, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. An open invitation to all to come to get what you need, what you're longing for. But it's haunting because verse 2 rings very true to many of us. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, your labor for that which does not satisfy? What Isaiah is calling out of us is the recognition that we should have, if we're being honest about our lives, that we chase after things that don't satisfy us. We constantly do. We're constantly going after the stuff that doesn't actually fulfill us. There's these longings that are in us, and the longings aren't bad. The longings are created by God, developed by God, but we seek to meet them in ways that, um, that don't actually satisfy us. We we pursue after stuff and we spend our time and our energy and our money on that which does not satisfy. And so that that process, particularly in the last year and a half, has really come to light. I don't know what your experience of particularly the first half of 2020 was, but many of us, I, I think, found ourselves exposed And here's what I mean by that. As things shut down and as the normal stuff that we were used to didn't happen anymore, there's all of a sudden this sense of like, who who am I? And um, what do I, uh, when I'm not doing something, what's my identity? What's the connectedness? Like I'm so used to doing all of this stuff and now all of a sudden everything kind of pulls back. And for a little while, there was this sense of, oh, that's good, we can just kind of breathe and we can be with our family and that's wonderful because we love our family. And then like two or three weeks in, it was like, oh man, we're still with our family and that's a little more challenging than we thought, right? Like they're filling me up in a different kind of way. Um, and so there was this kind of tension that we, we found ourselves in, but there was this exposing of our hearts that um, the, the world around us kind of uh, brought out of us, this kind of sense of like, man, who, who are we? And that kind of carried through 2020. Many of us uh, experienced this challenge, this tension of, uh, of 2020, where you either went one direction or the other. You either ended up um, finding a, a rhythm where you were growing closer with the Lord, you were growing closer with the people around you, and kind of settled into a place, a good place, or you were in this constant, sense, uh, constant space of like flux and tension and Um, frustration and even anger. Um, One of the most uh, eye-opening statistics from 2020 was the increase in alcohol sales, which just went through the roof in 2020. This like need to cope and not sure how to cope. There are longings within each one of us. And those longings, they're, they're not bad, but they've often... Uh, they've often been misplaced. And so for many of us, if you look back at 2021, this year that we've been through, you can see places where you've put your hope. Your longings have been placed in uh, maybe an ideology or a political party or a political way of looking at the world. Like if this person just gets elected or this person doesn't get elected, then everything's going to be okay. Or um, if we can just uh, make sure that 
um, that, that we're not uh, moving in the wrong direction as a country, then everything's going to be fine. If we could just end racism, everything would be fine. If we could just stop the spread of Marxism, everything will be fine. If, if we could um, maybe uh, pull together our, uh, our resources and um, we, we could suffer through this season, if we could just follow the science and do all the stuff that we're supposed to do, then everything's going to be okay. If people would just band together and follow all the health protocols, we'd all be safe. Or um, if we would just get rid of all the health protocols and we could just be free, that's what we really need. If we could just enter into the freedom that we're called into. Like, every side has this hope of a utopia, this, this longing that's in us that says, if this would just happen, then I would be good. Here, here's the difficult secret that's tough for us to get our head around. If the entire world did what you wanted them to do, you'd be tired of it in a couple days. Like, it's not going to satisfy you. But the challenge is, most of us never get that far. We, we don't get to a place where, we, we always have this tension where things aren't what we wish they were. Um, the, the book of Ecclesiastes is the Old Testament wisdom literature written by, um, it's just, the person's called the teacher. It's been attributed at a bunch of different places. But the teacher tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 something that's profoundly important for us. He says that God has placed eternity in your heart. God has placed eternity in your heart. And what that means is that we cannot be satisfied this side of heaven. The longings that are in us will never be fully satisfied. I like to think of it as our souls remembering Genesis 2. Like we remember Eden and we can't be satisfied with Genesis 3. Like there's a longing in us. If you're not familiar with the scriptures, Genesis 2 is this beautiful picture of us in oneness with God in perfection of his creation. And Genesis 3 and forward speak to the brokenness of the world around us, the brokenness of our relationship with God, with one another, and with creation. And there's this sense of like, uh, I, I can't be satisfied with this. But most of us never get to a place where we can be sure of that. Here's what I mean. Most of us are never successful enough or powerful enough or wealthy enough to know that success and power and wealth don't satisfy us. Instead, we're in this place where we just assume if I just had, if I just accomplished, if I just did, if I could just get this, then I'd be happy. And as far as we know, we would because we never actually get there, right? We never actually get to the place of like that thing that we wanted. The bank account never gets high enough. There's never enough cars in the garage or houses on the books. Like there's just never enough, you know? There's this, um, there's this thing that we want. If my family would just be together, if we could just all harmonize, everything would be good, but it's elusive, right? Um, the writer of Ecclesiastes calls it smoke or vapor. Like you try to grab it, but it disappears. I'm going to show you a video clip in just a second. Um, it's a, a 60 Minutes interview from back in 2005. Um, the interviews with a guy named Tom Brady. Some of you know that name. Some of you don't know that name. If you don't know that, yeah, boo, that's fine, whatever. Yeah, do, your, do your thing. Um, yeah, he's cheering for Michigan this weekend, too. Anyway, um, if you don't know anything about Tom Brady, let me simply say this. Um, he has been wildly successful at a level that most of us will never get anywhere close to. I mean, you love him or hate him, but he's been incredibly successful. He's done all the stuff. He has everything that you could want. 
And in this interview in 2005, this was when he was a little younger and a little less guarded, he told the truth about where that put him. Uh, some of you maybe seen this before. I showed it years and years ago. Um, it's been years since I've showed it, but I go back and watch it regularly because it's a really important reminder that there's a level that you reach that you think is enough, and it's, it's never truly enough. Listen and watch. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I mean, it's, I think that's part of me trying to go out and experience other things. But there's a, I know, I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. And different ways of expression, being around. I know what ultimately makes me happy are family and friends. And positive relationships with, with great people. And I think I get more out of that than anything. So here he is, 27 years old, three Super Bowl rings, has everything. Just signed a millions and millions of dollars off a contract. Got everything he could want. And in that honest space, which I actually believe if he was totally honest, he could say in 2021 as well, there's got to be more than this. Like, this can't be it. I, here I am, I've gotten everything, and that's not enough. There's got to be more than this. That's us. For most of us, we never achieve the level of success that Tom Brady has, so we never know for sure that it won't satisfy us. But what Isaiah 55 tells us is it will not satisfy you. Why do you spend your time and your money and your energy and all that you have on what will not satisfy? Come, I'll give you wine and milk without money and without cost. It's there. But we chase after something else. Our longings point us towards that which will not satisfy. So what do we do with that? Well, go down to verse 6. Isaiah begins to give us the answer. Um, in verse 6, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There's this invitation into, in the midst of exile, in the midst of challenge, in the midst of all of the tensions of the world around us, there's an invitation into life. Seek the Lord while he may be found. It's, he, he's out there. Seek him. The, the challenges of the world, particularly the challenges of the last year and a half, should highlight for us the the opportunity that we have to pursue after Jesus. The, the church, when you look historically over the last 2,000 years, has surged forward when there are global disruptions. When things happen around the world like the last year and a half, the church surges forward. And, and that happens because all, we're, our foundations are shaken. And we start to pay attention in a, a different kind of way. Um, Mark Sayers, in his book, Reappearing Church, says it this way. Crises and the transitions that they bring are one of the critical ways that God uses to move us. During transitions, 
God offers us the chance to go deeper with him. And that last phrase, I think, is exactly what, if I could summarize the opportunity of the last year and a half, that's what it's been, the chance to go deeper with him. When everything gets stripped away and all of a sudden you have time and you have um, some margin and you have an opportunity to reevaluate, you have the opportunity to go deeper with God. The reason why the church has surged forward historically when there are disruptions is because a couple things happen when disruptions happen. First of all, the people of God, us, slow down. When we don't hear the voice of God, it's almost always not because he's not speaking. Like, he's speaking. The reason we don't hear the voice of God is because we're too busy. We just have too much stuff going on. And it's, look, a lot of it's good stuff. I'm not even critiquing the stuff. I'm just saying we miss the voice of God because our lives are full. And disruptions, they, they clear out our lives so we can listen. We start to listen differently. Our lives slow down a little bit. And we have an opportunity to kind of reset. Challenges, most of us, if we're honest, slow down for a season. And as things opened up in 2021, we just filled it back in fast and furious, you know, more than ever. And so instead of slowing down, we actually um, sought to distract ourselves even more, sometimes filling in with things that are even of less eternal value than the stuff that was there before the pandemic hit. We, we have an invitation to slow down, to spend time with God, to listen to him, to hear his voice. And then what happens is in the midst of disruption, the church who's slowing down and listening to God starts to see people differently. I don't know if you remember, um, in the middle of 2020 through about the middle of 2021, um, there, there was this season where we actually looked at the people who were like stocking grocery shelves. Like for like literally decades, nobody paid any attention that there were people in there who were putting food on the shelves. But all of a sudden they became heroes, right? It was like, somebody's doing the thing that I desperately need. I need somebody to run the gas station, and I'm glad somebody's willing to, to be in the gas station. There, there, there all of a sudden were people that were behind the nameless, faceless uh, tasks that were being accomplished. We started to see people differently. What Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is when the love of Christ compels us, we begin to see the people around us through new eyes. And when, the life, when life slows down, when we start to see God differently, we start to see people differently. And when both of those things happen together, the church begins to do what John chapter 1 calls being a witness to the light. So we begin to receive from God, and as we hear from God and we see other people, we pass that message on to other people. Why is the church surging forward during pandemics and during global disruptions over the last two millennia. It's because we pay attention and we see people for who they are and we become witnesses to the light. Now that's great for Sunday morning, right? Like most of us, it, wherever you're at in your relationship with Jesus, you're, you're here, which means that you're probably with me so far. Like you're probably saying, yeah, like we need, to, we need to do that. We need to slow down. We need to pay attention to people. We need to love people. We need to seek the Lord while he may be found. Yes, let's do that. But see, the, the challenge is uh, what happens on Tuesday. I don't mean this specific Tuesday, but Tuesday. Like, you know, when you, when you get to the middle of the week and everything d disappears, you get distracted. Like everybody's motivated on Sunday morning. That's easy. Like that's no big deal. 
What do you do when you get to the middle of the week, when all of the pressures of the world come in and you, you all of a sudden have all this stuff pulling at you? What Isaiah says is his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are beyond our thoughts, are greater than our thoughts. Do, do we long for his ways, or do we revert back to our ways? There's a book, uh, a guy named Jamie Smith wrote a book called You Are What You Love, and he cites at the beginning a French art film. I don't know if any of you are like experts on French, uh, French art films. I'm not. I haven't spent a whole lot of time watching film at all, let alone French art films. But there's this film called Stalker, that uh, kind of an ominous name, right? That he narrates. I haven't seen it, but I'll tell you the narration. If you have seen it, you can tell me. Nobody's going to. Never mind. Nobody's seen it. Um, so uh, it's set in this kind of dystopian, uh, post-apocalyptic landscape, like you know most films are these days. And uh, there's this um, space that these two people are trying to navigate. It's called the zone. And they're trying to get through the zone to the room. And so they have a, a, a guide who's taking them through the zone to the room. And they're making this trip, this kind of harrowing trip, and the guide is taking them there because in the room, they are given the deepest desire of their heart. Like when they get in the room, the room gives them what they long for. And so they're, they're focused on getting through the zone to the room, but they get closer and closer. Their guide tells them that they're reaching the outskirts of the area where they'll soon be walking into the room, and they, they kind of get cold feet. They're kind of, like, nervous about going in. And the guide asks them what's going on, and the one says to the guide, what if I don't know what I really want? And the guide says to him, that's for the room to decide. You don't get what you think you wish for. You get what you most deeply wish for. Now that's a harrowing thought. Like what's deep down inside of me? If I go into a space where all of a sudden I'm given the deepest desire of my heart, is that his ways that are higher than my ways? Or are they my ways? That his thoughts that are greater than, deeper than my thoughts, or are they my thoughts? I don't know about you, but I would probably hesitate to walk into that room because I recognize the brokenness of my heart. I recognize the fact that although I, I want to want the things of God, there are times where I want what I want. I think one of the challenges of the last year is that in many ways we have found that his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so what do you do with that? What do you do with this place where like you, you know what you should want, you want to want it, but you just you can't seem to, to get enough effort and enough willpower to really enter into that. Well, that's the beauty of the final metaphor that Isaiah gives. There, there's this metaphor at the end that's so beautiful, it, it, we tend to just read over it, but it's such a beautiful picture of the power of the Word of God, the Word of God representing a, a bit more than the Word of God. Let me just read to you, starting in verse 10. Isaiah says this, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, 
but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So Isaiah says, what you can be sure of is that the word of God, when it goes out, it will accomplish the purpose for which God sent it. You know that for sure. So what we have to figure out is what's the purpose? Like, uh, for what purpose did God send his word? Well, we find it in the midst of uh, this, this metaphor that he wraps up with. So let me just ask you a question. If there's rain and snow that come down from the earth, or from the heavens, and they water the earth, and they water a thorn bush, what happens when rain waters a thorn bush? You get a bigger thorn bush, right? Like, the thorn bush grows. Like, if, if the snow comes down on briars, what you're going to get by the time you get to spring is more briars. Like, that's, that's the way it works. But God says something different is going on, that there's, there's something that's changing by the word of God. Paul David Tripp, in his book, uh, Dangerous Calling, says it this way, when this rain falls on the thorn bush, it actually becomes something organically different. The picture here is of fundamental, specific, and personal transformation. The ultimate purpose of the word of God is not theological information, but heart and life transformation. So if the word of God will accomplish that for which it's sent, what's the purpose for which it's sent? Transformation. It's not so that you would know more theology. You're not to learn the Bible so that you can win at Bible trivia. Like that's it's a great little side benefit, but it's not like the actual purpose. The purpose of God is that our hearts would be transformed. That the, the thorn, instead of being watered and getting to be a bigger thorn bush, would become a cypress, this tall, beautiful, incredibly useful tree. Like the thorn changes in its essence. The briar, which is like just good for nothing, they're just like nuisances and frustration, they become the myrtle, this beautiful flowering bush. The, the distinction is not, not just organic, it's one, of, it's one of essence. Like there's a change that happens inside. That change is the power of the word of God for us. When we engage the scriptures, and I'm not just talking about the word because Isaiah is gonna give us a, a kind of a breadth of connectivity here. He's saying for all of us, so this is a um, corporate kind of you. So if you look in verse 12, for you all shall go out in joy and you all will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth in the singing. All the trees in the field shall clap their hands. He's saying there's a communal aspect to this as we all receive the word of God, we are all together being changed, and we're all actively engaged. We're going forth, we're going out, we're stepping into the work of God. So the way that we say it at York Alliance is that the, the truth of God, the teachings of the scriptures, paired with the community that God has placed us in, tied to the practices of Jesus that we engage with our lives, are empowered by the Holy Spirit to change us. The Holy Spirit catches those things on fire in us and makes us different. Changes the thorn bush to cypress. Changes the briars to myrtle. That's the intent of the word of God for us. So when the, when the word of God is sent out, it always makes that change. Now here's the bad news. 90 minutes a week is not going to do it for you. So you can come here every single week. I hope you do. I'll, I'll be here. I'll, we'll hang out together. It'll be great. But if all you do is come here every single week, that will not be enough. Because there are 
hours and hours and hours and hours of other messages that you're hearing that are a much stronger formational force than these 90 minutes. If we are to be transformed by the word of God, we need to invite the transformation of the word of God, which means we can't just, if you, if you put your Bible on your nightstand and you go to sleep, the word does not magically migrate from the nightstand into your head. Like, I know it'd be really great, but see what happens, and, and I say that kind of jokingly, but yeah, tr you're trying, try it, yeah. But, the, but see, here's what happens. I meet people all the time who, they don't say it like that, but they think that's what's gonna happen. Like, they're just mystified that I've, I've, I've been following Jesus for a long time and I still don't really know the scriptures. Well, it's not a mystery. Like, you have to study them. That's the way it works. You have to be in the word. And I don't mean, like, like study the theology. I mean, invite the transforming power of Jesus through a regular presence connection with the scriptures. Being in the word. And so as we step into 2022, there's an invitation to receive what God has for us. And what God has for us is milk that satisfies. Wine that gives us joy, what we need. And we don't have to pay for it. It's free. Instead of chasing after the things that we want that will never satisfy us, Isaiah says, seek the Lord while I may be found. And when you find him, what you're going to find is rain and snow that comes out of the sky, comes down to the ground, and transforms you in essence. You become a different person. So at some point in time, if you get the, to show up in the room, you know what your heart really longs for. The ways that are above your ways and the thoughts that are greater than your thoughts. So very practically, let's end just with some real practical things. What, what do we do with this? First thing is this, sounds weird, but you need to cultivate discontent. Doesn't this sound strange to do? But you, you have to willfully choose to recognize your discontentment. You, you need to recognize that you're not satisfied by the stuff of the world. And if you don't stop to actually willfully recognize that, you will find that you think you are satisfied. I was talking to somebody between the gatherings who um, has a family member who's struggling with loss right now, uh, but also has everything, <laughs> like has everything. Not quite Tom Brady, but there, you know, kind, kind of close to that. And there's this sense when you get to the end of life, if you haven't cultivated a dissatisfaction, you get to the end and just say, did I miss it? Like, all this stuff's going away. Now what? That was the, um, the, the challenge of the fact that we're all sooner or later going to die. And we have to recognize the dissatisfaction now, not just at death's doorstep. So cultivate dissatisfaction. As a, um, as, as a discipline, um, I would encourage a communal discipline because other people can really help us as we're pursuing something, asking questions like, what's Jesus saying about that? Like, what's the direction that you're going towards? What's, what are you pursuing in the middle of that? Other people's perspective can be so helpful in that journey. So um, cultivating dissatisfaction. Second one is inviting transformation through the word. Be intentional about inviting the transformation of the word. You can't just read the Bible next year. You're gonna have other stuff that you're gonna have to do. You have to go to work and like parent and cook meals and stuff. You're gonna have other things that will happen. So what, what do you do? How do you, uh, how do you put yourself in the place of transformation? 
Well, over the last three years, we've done three different kinds of Bible reading plans, totally different in the way that we've approached them, um, intentionally kind of scattered because we're all different people. So uh, three years ago, we did a through the Bible reading plan paired with uh, videos from the Bible Project. We read all the way through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, uh, watched the videos, kind of got a sense of the big picture story as we went through the entire uh, book, the, the entire Bible. That was great for some of you. Others of you were like really frustrated with that process. It was too much reading. You couldn't get all of it. It was, it was fine. The middle year in 2020, we did what we call the daily office. It's a historic discipline uh, where we engage the word in the morning in the longer period of time uh, through a variety of different readings, psalms that uh, invite worship and prayer, and then reconnect midday and in the evening with both those readings, other psalms, and historic prayers of the church. It marks our days as we walk through the rhythm. For some of you, that was great. For some of you, you were super annoyed, and you kept like, I never, ever remembered midday. I hated it. You know, some of you were like that. It's okay. And then this past year, we did um, like a meditation and journaling experience, a a bit more imaginative, um, where you got a verse or just a few verses And each day you have the opportunity to just ruminate on those and to journal and to process and to allow your sanctified imagination to engage the word. My guess is one of the three of those really resonated with you and two of the three of those annoyed you, right? That's probably, and and it's no no guilt, but you probably got like halfway through January and you were like, forget this, I'm doing it the other way. Like I'm not not doing that anymore. Some of you are like, yeah, I didn't make it to halfway through January, but that's okay, it's no big deal. So the one that resonates with you, we we did that to basically say we're all wired differently. The one that resonated with you, do that. So right now on our website, all three of those are out there. They're reformatted for this year, and you can just pick one. You can do something else too, it's fine, but there are intentional ways that you can engage the word. The point is this, if at all possible, daily, place yourself in front of the word. And what you'll find is that each day, there are more days that feel monotonous and unexciting than days that feel like light and breakthrough. But having done it day after day after day, you'll begin to experience this word from Isaiah 55, that the word of God does not return void, but it does what God has purposed for it to do. So place yourself in front of the word. Invite transformation. And then finally, I want to encourage you to intentionally leave behind and dream ahead. So some of you hear all of this and you say, ugh, Like every time this year, every time of the year, we get to the end of the year and I hear all the stuff I should be doing and I try and I know I'm never going to make it. I always fail at this stuff and I'm really, it's going to be terrible. And, you know, some of you have that voice in your head. You just need to leave that behind. Like, okay, so this year may not have gone the way that you wanted it to. We, a bunch of us would agree with that. Like it didn't go the way I thought it would either. Um, The last couple years actually have just been a bit of a train wreck. It's okay. Leave that behind and step in to what's ahead. The beauty of the new year is not magic Friday to Saturday. You're going to wake up Saturday morning and you're going to be a little tired and you're going to have a messy house and you're going to be glad Michigan won. And that'll be pretty much it. Like, it's going to be that. Um, Why are you laughing? Anyway. um, So, but but the day is going to be normal. But it will mark a new beginning for us. And while I don't know that God sees Friday and Saturday differently, he is the God of new beginnings. 
The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. And so that'll be true on Saturday. His mercy will be new. And so start fresh. For some of you, that's sometime over the next four or five days. You're just going to sit down with a journal in the quiet and you're just going to make a list. God, I'm mourning these things from the last year. They were hard. I'm celebrating these things from the past year. They're really good and I'm thankful. I'm hoping and dreaming and praying for these things in 2022. I'm pressing into that. And I, I don't know if you'll do that, but I know you're good and I know that there are good things ahead. And just take some time as a prayer exercise to leave behind and press forward. Some of you need more tangible things than that. We have uh, friends who each year at the end of the year, they gather with some people in the neighborhood. They have a fire pit out back and they like literally all write down on little cards all the stuff they're leaving behind. The stuff from the year that was hard and difficult. Even the good things that they're just leaving behind, they burn it all in the fire pit. And then they, um, uh, they take these, they're called air lanterns. Is that right, Deb? Is that what, yeah. I, don't, I always call them Chinese lanterns. I don't know what they actually are. I think they're illegal, so don't take this as like what you're supposed to do. Uh, but they, um, they attach cards to them, and they light them or whatever you do to them, and they send them up, and they go litter somewhere, actually, is what they do. But they uh, send them away as a prayer, um, a, as just a, a signifier of their hopes and their dreams of what's to come. So maybe that something tangible would be good for you. Or maybe all you need is a time with a journal and the quiet. That's fine. But mark it. God has designed us to be people who transition from one thing to another, who mark one season to another. And so take time to leave behind 2021 and press in to 2022. There's all kinds of ways that that will happen. Um, as we move into this space, one of the things that we've missed in the space down below is space to respond. And one of the ways that we mark things is through our response, through actually moving and engaging uh, by stepping forward. And so whether it's today or in the future, let me just uh, give you some brief instructions. Um, these altar rails, as uh, Ashley referenced earlier, they're open all the time, actually. You can come in before the service or during the service or whatever. You can always come and pray and, at any point. But as we respond, we do that in a specific way. So this side, the side with the drums, is a place for you to be able to come from where you are and just meet with God. You don't have to worry about somebody coming to pray with you. If you just want to be alone with God and you know, I need to get up from my seat and I need to go spend some time with God. It may be something that God said to you in the last half hour or so and you just think like, I, I need to go there. Just come up here and nobody's going to come bug you. You can just be with God time for you to be with him. This side, on the piano side, is an opportunity for you to come, and as you bow down to invite brothers and sisters to come and pray for you. We have uh, intercessors and elders and pastors who would love to pray with you, and you have maybe friends who want to be able to come and gather around you. Uh, it's an opportunity for people to pray with you. And there's power to speaking those things out loud, to praying those things out loud, and asking God to move on our behalf. That's one of the ways that we mark, leaving behind and pressing ahead. And so whether that's now or in the year that's uh, ahead of us, there are opportunities for us to respond, and I want to invite you to do that. So right now, I'm just going to ask you to kind of set your thoughts to the side. The team's going to come, and they're going to lead us in a response, and I'm just going to uh, take a moment. We'll listen to the Spirit together and ask Him to speak to us as we step into this new year. So Holy Spirit, would you come and would you speak to our hearts, help us to hear your voice, 
your direction. there's some of us who hear a message of hope and what we feel is stuck. We feel like it's been like this, it continues to be like this, and I don't see my way out of it. If that's where you are, I, I just want to say to you that God is a master of unsticking us. He's, he's capable of it. It just, it, it takes our willingness to step into it. And so for some of you, if you're here and you're feeling stuck, can I encourage you, whether it's coming to an altar or finding somebody around, would you ask somebody to pray that over you? Just pray that you would no longer be stuck, that you'd start to move forward. Jesus, there's some of us who need to admit that we have placed our hope in things that will not satisfy us. In our minds, we have uh, constructed a reality where if everybody would just do what we wanted them to do, we would uh, be satisfied. And a lot of times those are subtle things. Um, if people would just act like we wanted them to, if people would not uh, just be so obstinate, if we could uh, have relationships that were harmonious. And so God, would you just gently remove those things from our hands and remind us that only you can satisfy us. Now there's some of us who just need to buckle down. We need to engage the discipline of inviting the transformation of your word in us. And so God, would you just give us the, um, the will and determination to step into that? And when we fail, to step back into it and to continue to pursue after you step by step by step. And God, for some that are here, um, there's just a need to receive grace, that mercy that is new every morning. Um, it's for all of us. And Sometimes we can feel as though where I am is just too bad, I'm too far away, which is not true. So Jesus, thank you that you are, you are good to us, you love us, you are not frustrated and angry with us, you have sent Jesus because of your love for us. And you come in grace, inviting us into a better life. So God, would you meet us where we are and invite us into the fullness of life that you desire for us? So Holy Spirit, do this in us at the end of this year as we turn toward next year. Would you empower those steps forward as we move toward you? We pray it in Jesus' name.